Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Hello, hello, hello. I am so excited for today's episode. And I do need to tell you the backstory of how today's episode came to be because it is so super serendipitous and also so applicable to today's topic. So hold on to your hats. Um, This episode is going to be full of aha moments, tips, and stuff that you can start using today right away in your networking and relationship building efforts. But first... First, 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 I know we have a couple of new ears around here, so I want to introduce myself and also tell you a couple of things that we have going on in She Built This this month. My name is Emily Aborn, and I'm a content writer as well as owner and founder of She Built This. And if you're scratching your head wondering, what on earth is She Built This? I'm so glad you asked. It's a woman's entrepreneurship community that is truly the place to be if you're looking for an authentic bunch of people that will be by your side every single step of the way as you build and grow your business. We get together as an online group from all over the globe at this point, and we also meet for peer groups, workshops, inspiration, and growth opportunities, and sometimes in New England, when it's safe and such, we get together for uh, in-person events as well. So if you are interested in becoming a member and getting in on all the good stuff that we have happening, get some extra accountability on your goals, increase your visibility, just go to shebuiltthis.org and see what it's all about. And if you have any questions, let me know because the one thing I love to do in life is answer questions. And one thing that I am super duper excited about coming up is our January workshop. It is the first ever collaborative workshop with myself and Amanda Silva of Waypoint Writing. She's a copywriter, I'm a content writer, and together we're going to be talking about creating content that helps you to achieve your goals and reach your dreams copy and content that works. It's going to be so much fun. And even if you're not a member of She Built This yet, you can still join us for the workshop by going to shebuiltthis.org and visiting the events and signing up that way. It's a great way to kind of dip your toes in and see what the group is all about and whether or not it's for you. Speaking of copy and content, I'm not going to spoil this one for you, but next week, I have a really exciting guest coming on to talk about how to make our copy and content a little more exciting. And that is the understatement of the year and also all I'm going to tell you right now. Alrighty, so next on today's agenda, I just want to share with you the review of the week because a huge, huge thank you so much to those who heeded my call and went ahead and took two minutes out of their day and gave me a review on Apple Podcasts. I so thoroughly enjoyed reading them and I'm going to be sharing them in the next couple of weeks to thank you personally because as I expressed, your reviews are what helped me build this show by getting my podcast into the ears of more like-minded listeners. The more reviews we get, the more listeners, the merrier. And it also helps me to bring on guests that you really want to hear from. So it's a triple win. And if you already, if you haven't already taken time to write one, 
today can be your day. Just use your Apple Podcast app and share your thoughts on what you love about the podcast. I love to hear from you. Today's is from Sarah Design, and I have a hunch that I know who she is, and it's so sweet of her. She says, voice like butter and content gold. I could listen to Emily talk all day about pretty much anything, so the fact that her episodes are chock full of riveting stories, fun guests, and powerful business tips is like an extra cherry on top bonus. Subscribe. You won't regret it. Sarah, I'm willing to test that theory and see if you truly could listen to me talk all day about pretty much any topic. But this is very exciting. And it's also weirdly the second time someone has said my voice has is like butter. I definitely hope that my husband agrees with you on all of these things, considering I do a lot of talking around my house. Um, thank you so much to Sarah for this review. And I agree with Sarah. Subscribe, follow, like, make sure you are the first one to hear when new episodes come out every Wednesday at 3.33 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. All right, enough about this. Oh, wait, there's one more thing, actually, because today's episode is all about visibility and consequently this month on the podcast and in She Built This is also about visibility and it's also one of my goals and folk not goals, focuses for 2022. All right, so today we're going to be talking to Julie Brown of This Shit Works and how to grow and get better at visibility through networking and relationship building. And I wanted to share a quick story about my own experience with relationship building and networking, lest you, for some reason, think that relationship building and networking is for the birds. So back in 2017, our first business, which was a luxury mattress store, was hitting some speed bumps, and we needed new clients. We actually had ended up having like some pretty scary months. And we couldn't really understand because we were like three and a half years into this. We were spending marketing dollars like it was monopoly money. Um, but the industry was just changing and sort of going in a way that was outside of the retail box, so to speak, and more of like a bed in the box being delivered to your house. So we were competing against that. So I had a heart to heart with Amy at the SBDC of New Hampshire at the time. She was helping work with me and advise me, and she gave me some of the best advice of my life. She told me to pick myself up off the floor, dust myself off, get out there and meet everyone that I could possibly meet. And specifically, she had said people in my industry, but I sort of just took it as like an open invitation to just meet everyone. She said, kind of act like your brand new baby business owner again and make it your mission to start connecting with other people. And so I did. And by mattress store standards, I did some strange things. I hosted coffee hour there. I hosted ladies nights. We had a solar energy information session there. We held workshops there, all kinds of things. I basically just said yes to anybody that wanted to host anything. I let them host it at my store. I also said yes to coffee dates, and I ended up meeting two women who were also women entrepreneurs and introduced me to more women entrepreneurs, and many of those people are still my best friends and confidants to this day. And I also said yes to podcasts. I invited people to come in and do Facebook Lives with me at the store. Getting out there and being open to interacting with and building relationships with new people was one of the best decisions I ever made. In fact, She Built This came to be all because of how many women entrepreneurs were surrounding me and I really wanted to figure out a way for them all to come together in one beautiful place 
collaborate, and connect. So things pretty much exploded in an amazing way right before my eyes. And in fact, you are probably listening to this right now all because of that one piece of advice from Amy at the SBDC. And you're most likely part of this network of amazing women, which inspires me to wake up and work every single day. So what's the point of that story? Networking is not just what you think of when you think of networking events. It is about connecting with other people and truly building relationships. And I think so often when we think of networking, we feel like this little bit of tightening in our chest, thinking about that forced or inauthentic event where you're going to get stuck making small talk. We've all been there and we've all done that. And I don't think that is what networking truly is. And I think we can change it. I think we can change it by simply being the true face of ourselves and our brands and taking off the masks. And Okay, well, you might want to wait until after COVID is over to take off the masks, but being generally interested in learning about other people and collaborating with them. It's It's not just going to an event and shaking people's hand and handing out your business cards. It's literally anything from sitting at your favorite coffee shop and chatting it up with a barista that knows your name by now because you come in every day, being nice to your waitress at a restaurant, attending a workshop, being on a podcast, asking someone to be on your podcast. These are all like small examples of networking that I don't even think that we consider. But that's because at the core, networking is just about you connecting with other people and building those relationships. And now, On to how I met today's guest, Julie Brown, through networking. I know you probably thought I was going to say I met her at a carnival ride at the local fair, but no, I met Julie Brown because I heard our VIP member, Deanna Seymour, on Julie Brown's podcast. And then as I started looking through her other podcasts, I saw that my pal Terry Chispicio was on her podcast. And then I pretty much just listened to every single one of her episodes and was like, you know what? I'm going for it. I'm reaching out and I'm going to make a connection and see if Julie will agree to be on my show. And then I asked Terry. Trispicio for her blessing while I made the introduction and Julie said yes and voila here she is today. One thing I really love tracing back which I'm not going to bore you with but for example like how did I first meet Deanna? I think there's a story there. How did I first meet Terry? When I think back on it it all comes down to more and more and more networking. Julie is a motivating, high-energy speaker teaching the importance of networking and why you are your best business development tool. She's been invited to speak on the power of networking and relationship building by numerous conference organizations and private companies across the country. And she is the author of This Shit Works, a no-nonsense guide to networking your way to more friends, more adventures, and more success. Sounds fun, doesn't it? It's a book dedicated to making networking easy, accessible, and as I said, fun. She's also the host of the This Shit Works podcast, uh, a podcast dedicated to all things business development. I hope you love Julie as much as I do. I love her genuine curiosity, her unique perspectives. She's also quite funny, and she's a fellow kidless dog mom like me. Our conversation really inspired me to get back into writing thank you cards to people after meeting with them, step out of the whole who are you and what you do, basic generic questioning rut, and really evaluate whether or not I'm being a valuable member of the networks that I'm a part of. I can't wait to hear what your takeaways are, but without further ado, here is my interview with Julie Brown.
Hi, Julie, and welcome to the She Built This podcast. Hi, Emily. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I feel like I know you because I've listened to like almost every single one of your podcast episodes legitimately. Um, I found out about your podcast from Carrie Trespicio and you having her on about her new book. Uh, But I don't know a lot of like your backstory Mm. and how you got to where you are today and things like that. So before I get into that, which I I want, um, can you tell us in your own words who you are and what you do? I am a middle child, and that is why I need to talk so much as an adult. Um, So I'm a networking and business development strategist. I I work with companies to help them understand where their work comes from, what their referral base looks like, what the strength of their relationships are with their existing clients, with their past clients, and any potential clients that they might have. So that's part of of what I do. The second part of what I do is I'm a professional speaker. I'm part of the National Speakers Association. So I travel the country keynoting conferences or company offsites talking about the importance of building relationships in business and how those relationships lead to increased uh, success for your company. I love it. Um, and and I... I was actually just having a conversation with somebody like half an hour ago about relationships building your business. So I am like totally subscribed and on board to that. Um, So I bet you didn't just wake up one day and be like, this is what I'm going to do with my life. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your backstory, like how you got to where you are? So I think it's interesting that I'm a networking coach and no one goes to college and gets a degree in networking. There's, there's nothing. And for, for that as a practice, which I think is a huge disservice to people because 85% of company owners know that building relationships affects their bottom line. It affects the success of their company, the profitability of their company. And even though they know that, only 26% of companies actually have a strategy for building and maintaining their relationships. And it's because we're not taught it. We're not taught how to do this. It's not part of our professional practice when we're getting our undergraduate or our graduate degrees for the most part. So I fell into networking the way most people do. I realized how important it was for the companies that I was working for that when I was going after projects. So I grew up uh, essentially in the architecture, engineering, and construction industry. So I was going after major projects in the city And I realized that the more information I had about a potential project, the more relationships I had um, attached to that project, the greater likelihood I was going to have of winning that project. And so that's when I really began honing in on building relationships and mining information about future projects so that I had a greater likelihood of being selected for those projects going forward. And these are multi-million dollar projects. So these are were not small projects. So that's when I really decided and realized, oh, that whole it's not what you know, it's who you know, that that actually is true. Yeah. And it's, I imagine it's a little more than just like uh, sending one of those auto-populated things on LinkedIn that's mm-hmm. like, hey, looking to connect with other life coaches or whatever the thing right. is. Like, I can't stand those. But those, I imagine you go much deeper than than building relationships that way. So let's talk about like actually how 
people can build like what is what does that even mean build a relationship it's, it seems like a very elusive term sometimes. yeah so I try to when people say like what is networking I I try to I don't want to throw away the term networking because it's what everybody uses but I try to really tell people that if you look at networking more as in building relationships around you that's what I'm going for so I want everybody to be able to build a fabric of relationships around them where those people are invested in their success and you are invested in the success of the people in your network and you help each other to be successful. And the, you know, part of the problem with us as Americans is we define ourselves by our profession. We create an identity around who we are as it is attached to our profession. So for example, the first thing you ask anybody you meet is generally, what do you do? I mean, even if it's not a networking situation, say you're going to one of your friend's house for a dinner party and there's a couple there that you've never met before. One of the first questions is going to be, is probably, what do you do? And we're so caught up in this idea of defining ourselves by what we do that we forget that we have a lot of other ways of connecting with people. In Europe, you're not asked the question, what do you do? You're asked the question, who are you? And so that's what I try to get at with relationship building. Like, who are people? What What is important to you? What do you do? What is your life? What does your family look like? You know, um, what do you do on the weekends? Like, what do you do to, <laughs> to pass your time? And anything that's not directly related to what you do as a job, because I, we, we do business with and refer business to people we know, like, and trust. So we have to know people, like them, trust them before we can even figure out if they're a person that we would do business with or refer business to. So let's get to that part first and then figure out if we could work together. Yeah. Um, I, and, and just like a real-time example of something really, really small that I noticed you did already with me, which I totally appreciate mm -hmm. being a fellow dog mom. So Julie went and got pictures of her dog and her and her husband. I'm assuming it's your husband. Yeah, Sorry. it's my husband. Okay. okay. Uh, in this past weekend. And, you know, when, when I sent out the confirmation for the email, I said, like, I hope you had a nice weekend. She replies and says, yes, I got pictures of my dog, my husband and in their... Um, holiday callers. Today, she sends me a photo of the dogs, you know, knowing that like I'm a fellow dog mom and mm -hmm. would appreciate something like that. And I loved that. I noticed it. I'm like, oh, this is like what it's all about is it's just kind of like sharing these details about ourselves that are life beyond our businesses, which sometimes I think we forget that we have. Um, and it's a little touch point for me and a connection, you know, so I, I think it can be as simple as that. Yes. It is, it's really trying to figure out how you can increase the surface area with which you can connect with people. Because if you try to connect with people based solely on the fact that you're a podcaster and I'm a podcaster, it's just a small, it's such a small piece of who I am when there are so, the surface area with which we could connect is so much bigger than that. So let's figure out all the other ways that we can connect because you want to know why the 80% of building and maintaining relationships is just keeping in touch. It's just following up and keeping in touch. And the more things we know about each other, the easier it is for me to say, oh, hey, Emily, look at this picture of the dogs. Or, oh, hey, Emily, how are your dogs? Or have you heard of this off-leash dog park? Or like whatever. Like so many different ways for you and I to connect 
outside of what we do, which will inevitably lead to us working together in some capacity or, or referring each other for work in some capacity. So how do you give people like real strategies to do that? Because I will say this. I do think that some people struggle with this more than others. Like I am a natural uh, question asker. And mm. so I'm I'm basically going to dig up every single possible thing I can about your life right. and stalk your podcast and make sure I know all <laughs> the details. Um, but I don't think everybody is like that, you know. Mm. So how can you help people to genuinely just be like more curious and or maybe there's other strategies no, that help people to create those connection points. Yeah, you said the word, you said the exact word I was going to say. You have to have a curiosity about other people. Like, that's it. Like, th that curiosity is what's going to help you build those relationships. And if, if you ask a question and, and they don't, they're like, oh, no, I'm not really into that. Ask another one. Ask another one. Ask another one. Until you get to something that they're interested in. Like, because once they find something that they're, in, you find something that they're interested in, that's when they'll start talking. And the best part of networking is just sitting back and listening and learning about people. Yeah. It's kind of like my anti-small talk savior. You know, I'm like, mm -hmm. I will just like put them on a roll and then I can sit back and not have to make small talk Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and be listening, you know, the entire time. But um, I think small talk is, okay, so actually I want your thoughts on small talk. Um, because some people see it as an avenue to get to these other things. Mm -hmm. I usually just kind of like, okay, how quickly can we fast forward through the small talk to right. get to more interesting things? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Is any talk ever really small? Like, aren't we trying to get somewhere? You know, I don't, I'm not sure I even like the term small talk because, and, and then you hear all these things like, oh, the opposite of small talk, which I have a friend who's has a podcast called the opposite of small talk, which, which they talk about really big things. And then you hear people saying, oh, you should be good at small talk or chit chat or I don't know. Like, I just, can't we just call it having a conversation with somebody and whatever we're talking about is that conversation? Does it have to be small or big? You know, whatever. I, like every, I mean, because you and I, to somebody else, the fact that you're a dog mom and I'm a dog mom is a small thing to somebody, but though I don't have kids. Those dogs are my life. So that's big talk to me. You know, you don't know what small, what is something small to you might be huge to someone else. I so. literally just saying all I want for Christmas is you to my dog. So <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's true. So I just think that just being just so curious about people and not wondering, is, is, this, is this a small conversation or is this a big conversation? But is this a conversation that allows me to get to know this person better? That's, yeah. that's, that's where the gold lies. I think I heard that um, recently that no talk is small talk. It's just talk that you're not interested in yet. So I was like, oh, that's another way to flip it too. Yeah, that's a really good – I hadn't heard that, but I I agree with that. It's only small talk if you're not interested in what people are talking about. All right. So what does kind of like bother you in the relationship building networking world? Like what do you mm. find is a little bit shicey or maybe things that people are doing wrong or teaching wrong? Well, one of the things you've already mentioned, so for me, I love LinkedIn as a place to for business-to-business -business connections. It's like the top social platform for business-to-business -business connections. And I want LinkedIn to be a an online um, visualization of 
my actual network. So when people reach out to me, like randos reach out to me on LinkedIn and don't tell me why they want to connect with me and just give me that blanket. I'd like to connect with you on LinkedIn. That to me is just, it's, it's like, it's like blanket friending people. Like, I don't get it. Like, why do you want to be connected to me? What, what can we do for each other? Do a little bit of research into who I am and why you want to be connected with me and let me know. The worst thing, it's not a pop, LinkedIn is not a popularity contest. You don't need to have 5,000 friends on LinkedIn. So that's one of my big, big pet peeves is connecting with people for no reason. Like, and, and in fact, I've had, and I'm sure you've had this experience too, where somebody reaches out to you and they're like, oh, I saw that you know uh, Sam Smith. Mm-hmm. Can you can you connect me to him? And you're like, um, I don't think I know Sam Smith. Right. And then you look and you're like friends with them on Facebook or connected with them on LinkedIn right. and you, you didn't even remember doing that. <laughs> yeah. So I've over the years selectively gone in and unconnected with people on LinkedIn that I had connected with prior to being the networking person that I am now. So like, I mean, I've been in this industry for 22 years. So there's people who I probably accepted LinkedIn requests prior to fully understanding the value of connection and relationship building when I was first starting my career. And I've gone in and unconnected with them because I do want LinkedIn to be that actual visual representation, online representation of my actual network. Oh, you've inspired me to do that. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely doing that after this podcast. I'm like, who can I unconnect with? Yeah, it's true. I mean, because I do want, just for those instances, like you say, where somebody, I, that happens to me a lot. Oh, Julie, I see that you're connected to so-and-so on LinkedIn. Are you comfortable making an intro or what can you tell me about that person? It looks bad on me when I'm like, I don't know who that person is. I know I can't make that connection because I haven't talked to them in 15 years, you know? So for me, it's just, I, I need to walk the walk on what I'm talking about. So that's part, part of the way that I'm doing it. Yeah. Um, all right. Is there anything else you can think of that's like uh, kind of grinds your gears when it comes to this stuff? Yeah. I mean, I think it's the people who you clearly can tell are not invested in building relationships they're just trying to see they're uh, I don't I don't even know how to put it like you can just tell that they're not building relationships with with integrity they're just seeing what they can get out of somebody else and that really that really bothers me and 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 people notice that and you will get a reputation in your industry for for that kind of behavior but you'd still see it over and over again it is probably my biggest pet peeve. Um, mm-hmm. And I I dislike being the target of that kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's funny. I actually had someone that does that um, ask me like how to not do that. And I was like, I don't know. I, I don't have an answer for you. So let's say somebody finally identifies yeah. that maybe that is them. And they're like, ooh, I think I do that. Mm-hmm how can you help them to kind of like shift their perspective? Because I don't think it, like I said, I don't think it comes naturally for everybody. A couple of things. The first thing I would say is ask yourself, do I provide value to the people in my network? The people that I have a relationship with, do I actually provide value to them? Am I a good part of their network? Is me being a part of their network a positive part of their network? Or would their network be better off if I wasn't there because I'm a mooch? Like, ask yourself that question. 
am I a positive part of somebody's network? Do I add value? The second question I would ask myself is, am I keeping score? Like, am I only doing things for people because I'm ticking off the boxes of how many times it takes for me to, so quote unquote, be invested in them before I can ask them for something? Yeah, Those- I like... Those, I think, are the two main things that I would say. Or like they gave me something or I gave them something. Now they owe me something. Yeah, that's keeping score. And and you'll never be happy if you keep score. Because this is the way it works. Like you're going to give and you're going to give and then you're going to almost forget that you did it. But the other person that you gave won't forget and they will repay you at some point. But if you are sitting there waiting, stewing, over, oh, I did this and I never heard back from them. I never got anything back for them. Like that, number one, that's just a shitty thing to do. You shouldn't be doing things because you are expecting the reciprocity reflex to kick in. You should be doing them because you have, you go back to that first question, am I a positive part of somebody's network? Okay. I have a question for you about this mm-hmm. and I know I'm going a little off track. Um, when it comes to like thanking somebody, let's let's talk about like referrals specifically. Mm-hmm. When it comes to thanking somebody for a great referral, do you I, I've heard it both ways. I've heard people say, yes, you should send a gift a thank you gift, mm-hmm. or no, you should just send a thank you card. Because I've heard that the gift trains people to think that like, oh, every time I do that, I get a fifty dollar gift certificate mm-hmm. or something. You know, like then they're associating that like monetary kickback. So uh I'd love your thoughts on that. Yeah, I I hate to say that I don't have a hard and fast answer on that. I I send I'm a serial thank you card sender, so whenever anybody does anything for me, I send a thank you card. So, if we had coffee together and you just gave me an hour of your time and we talked and and I was like I got so much out of this conversation, I'll send you a thank you card just for having a conversation with me. Like that I believe in thanking people for their time and for their intellectual property. It doesn't have to be like they gave me something, a lead or a referral, like any part, anything that they've done where they've invested their time in me, I send a thank you card. Okay. Now, you know, I have to ask what your system is for that because that's, that's amazing. I used to have such a good system and now it's not good. (laughs) So this is what I do. Um, so I have a checklist that sits on my desk. And part of that checklist, it's a weekly checklist to make sure that I'm staying on top of myself from a business development standpoint. Part of it is, have I reconnected with three people in my network? Um, Have I had, prior to COVID, it was like, have I had two face-to-faces this week? So now it would be like, have I had two Zooms this week? Um, There is a section for what did I learn this week? What did people share with me? What did I learn that I didn't know before? That might be leads. It might be just any other sort of uh, data that somebody has given me, an article or whatever. And at the bottom, it says, um, thank you cards sent. And so when I look at the top, I know who my face-to-faces were. So on that sheet of my face-to-faces at at the bottom, I check off that, yes, I sent them a thank you card. And so if I meet with somebody Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, their thank you card goes in the mail on Friday. I do all my thank you cards on Friday. I love that. You've inspired me to reinvigorate this because I used to be so good about it and I had a system and now I need to put one back in place. It's so important. I mean, just, you know, the handwriting is, it's like, it's a dying art and 
I, I just I just was doing this um, research for an upcoming podcast about sending Christmas cards and why every year we send Christmas cards to people we literally never freaking see. Like we, it's like every year we send a Christmas card and we haven't seen these people in like ten years. And why do we do that? What, you know what? Why do we feel like we have to send Christmas cards, but we don't ever feel like we have to send cards throughout the year any other time of the year? And you know, cards are tactile. People, you know, they hold them, they open them, they read them, they look at the pen strokes. Um, they put them on their desk. They they have like a shelf life. And I think it's just really, really important to give a person that experience. Um, it's It goes beyond a thank you email. A thank you email is yeah, like, yeah, great. What did that, what kind of effort did that take? Like a thank you email gets read and forgotten, but a thank you card gets opened and held and put on your desk. And it, it just has a longer shelf life. It live it lives longer than a, a lot of the other ways we have of communicating. So, And just to help inspire people further in that, um, I take all my thank you cards that have meaningful messages. And, and a lot of them do because that's the other thing. You tend to put way more thought when you're writing yeah. something than when you're just like sitting out hashing out an email. I put them all in a shoebox. And yep. if, if I'm having like a bad day or feeling like I just want to compare myself to every single other person on the internet, that's more successful than me. I take out that shoebox and I read my thank you cards yeah. and it makes me feel so much better. It's like flipping the gratitude a little bit. It is. I have a, yeah. I, I do a very similar um, thing. I have a pinup board in my office. One wall in my office is nothing but a pinup board. And I pin up every single thank you card to that pinup board. And just like you, when I'm like, oh, having a bad day and like, again, I'm comparing myself to other people and I think that I'm not, you know, making change in people's careers. I walk over to that board and I'm like, okay, these are all the people who thanked me for what I've done for them. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That came, that was like a surprise gem. <laughs> um, all right. Let's talk about COVID and mm. how your business was affected by COVID. It, it, if I had to guess, I would actually probably say your services were just as relied upon because I think people were scrambling yeah. to find a new ways to connect and B make those connections more meaningful. Yeah. You know, when, you know, if we go back to March, 2020, when we had the like, Oh, the two weeks to stop the spread, I was like, okay. And then when we realized it wasn't going to be two weeks, it was going to be a lot longer than that. I, I, I got real nervous because as a professional speaker, all of my speaking engagements were canceled. And so I spent a lot of time like canceling flights and like, you know, all that stuff around the speaking engagements. And then I was like, what is going to happen? And then we all adapted really quickly to a virtual world. And I started giving virtual speeches and I did just as many virtual speeches as I did in-person speeches. But the thing that was great about COVID is COVID brought me from like, so I'm based in Boston and I was very well known in Boston, New England, tri-state area and COVID really made me a coast-to-coast -coast, uh, consultant and speaker where I was getting speaking gigs. I mean, I was flying around the country before, but I didn't have clients around the country. And then suddenly I had people who were reaching out to me from Seattle and Texas and Florida and all of these places because we were now learning a new way of doing business and geography was no longer an issue. So for me, it it really um, increased the area with which I'd say that I'm well known for what I do. 
Um, and that was sort of a very unexpected perk of of COVID and, and, and this virtual world that we found ourselves in. I find we're funny. You know, we're like, oh, now we're not geographically limited. It's funny because we never were geographically limited. Yeah. We just it just took this yeah. to help make us really like yeah. realize that. Exactly. Um, all right. I have a question for my introverts and ambiverts, mostly for the introverts, because I think the ambiverts can really like usually just buckle up and swing in there. But um, is there hope for them in the networking world? Because I know that a what I hear a lot is that networking can be exhausting. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, I think that there's a way that you can do it and build relationships and still honor those like physical, mental and emotional needs. Well, here's the thing. Yes. Uh, networking is exhausting to people who are on the introvert scale of the, you know, the introvert side of the ambivert spectrum. And the truth is for people like me who are more in the extroverted side of the ambivert spectrum, like I go into a room, if I'm tired and I go into a room full of people, they fill my battery. If an intro, somebody who's more on the introvert spectrum go, it goes into a room of full of people that drains their battery. So the first thing is for people who tend towards the introverted side of the spectrum, go into events with a full battery. Like do what you have to do to go into events with a full battery if you're going to networking events. That's the first thing. The second thing is I want introverts to understand that the most powerful networking tool is, and we talked about this at the beginning of the interview, is your ability to listen. And introverts are great listeners. Extroverts are great talkers. And just because you can talk to anybody doesn't mean you can listen to them and really take in what that person is saying. So I always like to say that introverts are much better networkers than extroverts because they tend to go into networking events more prepared because they know what, what is going to be required of them from an energy standpoint. They usually go in more prepared from like a research standpoint in the sense that they have done some legwork on understanding who's going to be in the room because they want to know who they can talk to. That's also a great tool is knowing who's going to be in the room in advance. They're such great listeners. And I just wish that introverts didn't get a bad rap because there's so many books that are like networking for introverts and how can introverts, introverts get out of their shell and all this stuff. There's not one book for extroverts setting, that says, hey, why don't you shut your friggin' mouth and listen for a little bit, <laughs> you know? It's funny. Some of the best conversations, uh, you know, first of all, some of the best conversations I have with people are when I walk away and I feel like we both saw and heard each other. And yeah. so I think you're a hundred percent right. And some of the best, some of the times people are like, thank you so much. That was an amazing conversation. I'm like, I didn't say a word. I yeah. just listened to you. Yeah. I'm, I'm an ambivert. I'm like perfectly in the middle. Um, but I totally agree with you that it is a superpower and a strength. And I think some of that just comes from them acknowledging that and realizing that, you know, because a lot of introverts, I think, want to kind of hide behind that or use that as like a way to shield them from these kind of situations mm -hmm. when when they can go into it with that kind of as a as a backpack of tools. Yeah. If you if introverts go into somebody who who tends toward that side of the spectrum can go into a networking event 
with their curiosity questions. Like I'm curious about people. I want to know these, like I'm, I'm going to have these curiosity questions, which I call dopamine inducing questions. Um, that's where they can just ask those questions and really sit, sit back and listen because you're right. I hate go like, and I can talk to, I can talk to a fire hydrant for 10 minutes. It doesn't matter. Like I can have a conversation <laughs> like, but that doesn't, I, I have such a need and a curiosity for learning about people. I hate when I go to an event and I, if I can't get a word in edgewise, you are talking too much. And like, I'll say to my husband on the way out of it, boy, that man really likes the sound of his own voice, doesn't he? Like, you know, like nobody likes that. So like, I really think introverts need to sit, need to understand the silent power that they have, which for some reason society has tried to make them seem that it's it, that it's a lesser quality and it's a not and it's not yeah um I need to know what one of these dopamine dopamine inducing questions are or or two of them if you if you can yeah. spare so if we go if we rewind a little bit so I, I I'm sure your listeners know but dose dopamine is a neurotransmitter in the brain it sits within in the pleasure center of our brain and and, and it, it helps with feelings of euphoria happiness social connection and you have the ability to elicit a dopamine spike in the brain of the person that you are having a conversation with. You also have the ability to lower the dopamine in the brain of the person that you are talking to. So I'll start with the questions that lower the dopamine in a person's brain. The two most dopamine crashing questions are, how are you and what do you do? <laughs> And those are the two questions that everybody asks first. And it immediately is like, oh, you know, Emily, I love what I do. I love what I do. I wouldn't want to do anything else. And when somebody asks me, what do you do? I'm like, oh, Jesus. I know. Do I have to explain this again? And then, you know, I worked at a chiropractor's office where we weren't even allowed to ask, how are you? Because the response is usually like, ah, I have a headache or... Oh, I'm fine. It was okay. You know, and then people want to go into this long story about yeah. how horrible their day was. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that is amazing. So those are the two questions that really can like crash the dopamine level in a, in somebody's brain. So obviously, so you start off like and anybody, introvert, extrovert, you start off like on a really flat foot if you if you ask those two questions. Dopamine inducing questions are ones that get back to that who are you versus what do you do. So for me, I, I created this thing in, a couple of years ago and I write about it in my book called The List Yourself Approach. And The List Yourself Approach is just that you make a list of all the things that make you you that have nothing to do with what you do for a job. So for me, if it, it would be like, I'm a wife, I'm a dog mom, I'm a marathon runner, I'm a skier, I'm a mountain biker, I'm a world traveler, I'm a wine snob, I really love tequila, I love my Peloton um, almost more than life itself, um, I'm a true, cr- tr- true crime podcast junkie, and I love to binge shows on Netflix and Hulu and Amazon or whatever. So really fast list, okay? Could add a ton more to it. Right. But if I were going to make dopamine-inducing questions out of that list, I would say to somebody, hey, what was the last vacation you went on before COVID? Because a dopamine-inducing question is one about travel. Travel transports somebody to another place. It it transports people to a time when they were happy and relaxed. And dopamine starts spiking. So where was the last place you went to prior to COVID? Um, I would say, where's your first vacation that you're going to go on after COVID? Or I would say, hey, have you, 
are, do you read, have you read any great books lately? I just read this great book and then say it and that usually gets somebody or, um, do you listen to podcasts? Everybody listens to podcasts now. So, Hey, what kind of podcasts do you listen to? I'm, I want to increase my podcast library for my walks or my walks with the dog. So I'm going to throw in the dog there with my walks with my dogs or my runs or whatever. What, what podcasts do you listen to? And this is when people start saying, oh my God, you have to hear about this. Oh my God, I just listened to this. Oh my God, I just watched this. And when, when you get that, when you get that, oh my God, like that's dopamine. That's dopamine working for you. That is that person connecting with you at a very sort of high frequency of, of um, sort of energy. Yeah, as you were asking those, I was like, "Ooh, I want to answer all of these. Yeah. Pick me." Um, and and it's funny because I was like, "Hmm." In my list, it's like I love Scrabble, or uh, yeah, I love Scrabble, crossword puzzles, puzzles. And I was like, "I do, I definitely need to steal some of Julie's list because <laughs> <laughs> it's more interesting." Um, but I can ask people what their favorite books and podcasts are. That that I got. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna ask them what the last puzzle they did is because probably fall right asleep. So. <laughs> All right. One of your quick tips, which I'm going to share the link to because I really, really liked it, is about killing your elevator pitch. Mm. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what's behind that tip and like how can we engage in conversations that pique the interest of our listeners when they do ask, yeah. what do you do? But how can we make them ask what we do? Yeah. So I don't I, I don't want to say that having a succinct way to explain what you do, that is great. You should have that. You should have that in your back pocket. Like, yes, this is a succinct way for me to say what I do, the solve, problems I solve for my clients. Yes, you should have that for sure. What you should not do is lead with it because when you lead with an elevator pitch, it is a one-way conversation. You are literally just word salading all over somebody else's face and they haven't asked for it. So I think we've been like, as I'm 45, like growing up, it was always like, oh, what's your elevator pitch? You, you have to have an elevator pitch. Assuming that like when you got went into a networking event, you were just supposed to say, hi, I'm Julie Brown. I'm a networking coach. This is what I do, blah, blah, blah. But that person doesn't give a shit. Like, yeah. They don't care. So what you have to do is you, again, we get into these conversations to, to find out if we like the other person, if we can have a conversation in real life about real things with the other person. And then that leads, and you said it, Emily, exactly. That leads to them saying, hey, what do you do? And that's when it doesn't, when you're having this conversation, you're getting to know somebody and then they ask you, what do you do? It doesn't cause the dopamine crash that it does if it's the first question that somebody asks you because you're like, oh, let me tell you. Yeah, I like that. Um, it, it's funny because we, we've we been working on elevator pitches in the She Built This group and mm-hmm. just like learning how to say our say what we do in, a, in an interesting way that really brings in the person. So mm-hmm. I'm like, no, we don't want to kill them. Um, but I like that. It's it's not about starting with that mm-hmm. as your as your lead in. It's about getting people to be interested in what they in yeah. what we do themselves. It's yeah. about having it in your back pocket. So when you have that conversation with somebody and somebody is like, oh, what do you do? You just pull it out of your back pocket. It and you're like, this is me wrapped up in a little bow. This is my succinct description of what I do for my clients. Yep. All right. Um, tell us about your book mm-hmm. and also like how we can find you and connect with you. And it, it, I guess your book and your podcast. Yeah. So I wrote the book came out um, June of 2020. It's called This Shit Works, Networking Your Way to More Friends, More Adventures and More Success. And it is about it is sort of the combination of my 20 years of experience doing networking and business development and client relationship building. But it also talks a lot about 
just the great things that have happened in my life because of networking and that I want to happen in other people's lives. I say the people you meet will change your life. And it, that, that has been so true for me. And if you think about it, and I, I was talking to someone earlier today because I wrote this post um, on Instagram last week about meeting my husband. I met my husband in a bar. And because I'm, I'm old enough where there wasn't, you know, match.com or Tinder or anything like that. Like, so you met in a bar, like that's how you did it. And so I met my <sighs> husband in a bar and I just, I say from, from the moment I met him, he changed my life. But for the first 24 years of my life, he was a complete stranger. So hmm. I, I just, there is power in talking to strangers and meeting people. And I guarantee, I guarantee if you, if you are open to it and if you're open to meeting new people, you will meet person after person who changes your life. And there's this book of poems that, that, that has a title in it that says, everybody I love is a stranger to someone else. And if you think about it that way, that everybody in my network is a stranger to somebody, but those people have already changed my life. Like there's so much power there in meeting people and building relationships. And so that's why I wrote the book because I wanted to share that with people. And I, I wished I had had this book when I was 21 years old, starting out in, in, in an industry. And I've had people say that to me, even people who are older than me, who have read the books, who've said, I wish this book existed when I started my company 30 years ago. And I think that's the greatest compliment I can, that somebody can give me. I so agree. I mean, you are, I, I am like all about community building and this is like, so speaking my language. And I think we, you sometimes don't even know the impact, you know, mm -hmm. like sometimes, sometimes you have a little bit of a feeling you're like, Ooh, I feel like this person is going to be important to my life. But mm -hmm. sometimes you don't even know, you just have one conversation with them. I know one person who I shared about a writing retreat and it, transformed her life, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't know. I was just sharing it, yep. <laughs> sharing it with you. <laughs> so you just never know the impact that you're going to make on somebody or that somebody is going to make on you. Yeah. And so because of the popularity of the book, I, I kind of was like chomping at the bit to write another book, but I just didn't have it in me. So that's why I started the podcast. So the podcast is also called This Shit Works. And it is really just conversations about the things that that affect the way we build relationships and some of it is 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 more entrepreneurial but it, the basic tenant is things that affect the way that we build relationships so i interview sleep coaches i interview sex therapists i interview um brain tumor survivors like all of these things that affect the way we look at ourselves and the way we build relationships and how that affects the way we bring ourselves into business yeah, I really love your podcast. I mean, you know this, but just as the <laughs> listeners know, I like have like I've listened to all of them, um, almost all. Um, all right, and how can we find and connect with you online? What's your What's your website and like where do you like to be on social media? Yeah, so I'm on my website is juliebrownbd.com. So Julie Brown, B as in boy, D as in dog.com. And I'm on LinkedIn. Um, mostly, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn, so you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, if you look for Julie Brown BD on LinkedIn, that is my, um, that's my LinkedIn profile, uh, address. So you can find me there and connect with me there. Just let me know you just let me know that you heard me on this podcast so I don't ignore you when you send me, when you send yeah. me an invite. Um, I'm also on Instagram, Julie Brown underscore BD, um, but I'm not one of those people who's afraid to give out my email address. So if you have a question, you want to email me, my, my email address is julie at juliebrownbd.com. 
Awesome. And thanks so much for taking time. This was fantastic and fun and hopefully not the last time I will talk to you. No, I'm sure it won't be. <laughs> okay. <laughs> thanks, Julie. You're welcome. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.